Welcome to Aligned Attraction, the go-to intimacy podcast for powerful women. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Lee Noto, master intimacy coach and psychedelic therapist, and I help powerful women like you unleash your wild feminine power so you can create heart-throbbing love. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts on love, sex, and relationships, and I'll also coach women like you to create the most delicious transformation in their love lives. You ready? Hey, babes. Welcome back. We are coming in hot again this week, Ani and I, and we are so excited today to be talking about conscious power couple partnership. Now, I know there are some buzzwords in there, but we want to break down what this really means today and what it doesn't mean. So what it is not. So for those of you who are listening and you have been longing for this partnership that is going to take you to the next level, the one where you're going to grow and expand, where you're going to be each other's support systems, where you're going to be having passionate sex and emotion-filled sex, where you're going to feel like the most authentic and expressed version of yourself, we're going to give you the roadmap for that today. So you're going to want to listen from start to finish and stick around to the end because I have a very, very, very exciting announcement about ways to continue tuning into and creating these shifts in your life around this kind of content. Awesome. All right. So let's start by breaking down some of these concepts because I I talk about this often on my Instagram page, this conscious partnership or power couple partnership. And I want to first start by talking about what it is not, because I think it's so easy to have the impression that when people are in conscious partnership or intentional relationship, that it's love and light all the time. We often pedestalize other couples And I I think that happens with us as well. And it's easy for people to think that they have the perfect relationship or they're always happy or they never have conflict. So let's talk about the non-definition of conscious partnership before we talk about what it is. So here are some of the things that it is not. It is not love and light all the time. When you find yourself in a conscious partnership, that does not mean that you're always skipping on the sidewalk, holding hands with each other, and doing eye-gazing and tantra exercises. That is not the definition of conscious partnership. It is also not conflict or challenge-free all of the time. People who are choosing how they want to show up in their relationships can still experience conflict and challenge. It is not a partnership where people have come to the relationship having done, quote unquote, all of the inner work. And we talked about this on the last episode where it can be easy to fall into the trap of, you know what, I just need to do all the inner work before I can find my partner and then I'll be happy or and then it'll be easy or and then we'll have it all figured out. And a conscious partnership is not a relationship that feels comfortable all the time. So it is absolutely not the status quo. It is probably not what you're seeing in mainstream media. It is probably not what you have seen growing up, and it's probably not what was modeled for you. This is typically not a relationship where we get to just stay in our comfort zone. In fact, it's probably the opposite. 
So let's talk about what conscious partnership is. And I want you to keep in mind that as you're listening to this, you may have some definitions of your own, and this is not an exhaustive definition. As you find yourself navigating these spaces, you're going to define it in your own way. But with all of the clients that we've served in our own relationship and and all that we've learned, here's how we define it. So a conscious partnership is one, a space to see your shadows and integrate them with love and support. So when we talk about shadows, these are the parts of us that we've kept locked away in some dusty attic because we either don't want to see them, they're too painful to recognize or feel, or we're completely unaware that those aspects of ourselves exist. So when the shadow comes to light and we see, oh shit, I'm actually really defensive or, oh my gosh, I gaslight my partner. Obviously I'm not talking from personal experience. When we see those parts of us come to light, can we hold a space for them within ourselves and in the relationship? Can we hold the space for those things to be integrated with love? So can we show up to those things with acceptance and with unconditional love? Now, also a part of a conscious relationship is a partnership that challenges you to grow and expand. So this means that we are showing up to our partnership, being ready to be held accountable and being willing to hold our partner accountable to their highest potential. Now, I want to distinguish that holding someone accountable to their highest potential doesn't mean that you're projecting your values all over them and you're trying to make them into something else. When I say a partnership that grows and challenges us to expand to our highest potential, it is you know, when we someone when we see our partner down and stuck in a rut, we say, hey, how would you like to be feeling instead? How can I support you to getting to that place? Or how can I show up to you unconditionally loving right now so that we can grow and expand once you've integrated this, this breakthrough or this challenge? Yeah. And, you know, something important to say here is that it's a beautiful point of contrast because conventionally, when we think of a happy relationship it's people you know as it's portrayed in the media and movies and all that you know people are just they've decided who they are the, the other person decided who they are and we're just gonna be this person with each other till the end of time right and what we're talking about here is that a conscious partnership is one in which we are choosing to be always growing, choosing to be expanding, and choosing to be in service to the other person's growth and expansion as much as we are to our own. And so it is going to be uncomfortable because growth inevitably is uncomfortable to a certain extent. It doesn't always have to be painful. And that's you know one of the myths we see a lot in the transformational space you know, growth doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to be full of suffering. It gets to be easy. It gets to be fun. But it's not always easy and fun either. And, you know, another thing that came to mind as you were talking, Lee, was that in this kind of a partnership, you know, we cannot expect that in a conscious partnership that both partners are conscious all the time. Because we know that as human beings, we spend... 
95 to 99% of our days, our waking life, acting, living, thinking, being in our unconscious. And the unconscious is where all of our conditioning lives. All of those um, programs that we were conditioned with by our parents, by society, by media, by our friends. And so most of the time people are acting from that place, right? So when we say conscious partnership, what we're really saying is that when we begin to expand that part of us that's actually consciously choosing how to act, how to react, how to love, even how to fight, right? Maybe the fighting can happen from a place of understanding and compassion and love rather than a place of anger, right? Rather than from a place of being reflexively triggered. And so the conscious piece in this conscious partnership is the degree to which we bring awareness, presence, and choice into the relational space that allows us to meet the other person from the pure, unlimited, innocent, compassionate, loving awareness that is in this moment right now. Not from the past, right? Not from a projected future, but from this moment right here. How can I meet you with love? How can I meet myself with love? Oh, beautiful. Okay, so let's let's continue to add to this, this framework. So it's also a space where both partners are doing their inner work and don't claim to be perfect. So this is great to Ani's point that we're both showing up as committed to doing our inner exploration and seeing what is there for us to be seen within ourselves, loving on ourselves as much as we can, every moment that we can, but also recognizing that we're not going to nail it all the time. We're not going to be 100% of the time just, you know, nailing it. So this, this again is where we extend compassion, both for ourselves and for the other person. And something I was, I was just talking about uh, with a friend of mine was that sometimes when, when we're in that place of doing the inner work, we can create the capacity to be able to hold the bag, so to speak, both for ourselves and the other person. So that if the other person isn't showing up in that moment from a place of intentionality, or if they are showing up from unconscious aspects, we can support them. And, and I want to say like, you, you know, you modeled this really beautifully a few minutes ago mm-hmm. when, you know, I, I couldn't hold the bag. And in that moment, I really needed you to to hold me right not physically because i wanted you to stay as far away from me as possible (laughs) but you know in in an emotional sense and i I think it's a really beautiful point to illustrate because what you did so beautifully was that you didn't jump in and react you didn't jump in and get triggered you didn't jump in and come in with your your perspective. You allowed me to have my own perspective. We were both kind of clued into the fact that, you know, I was having uh, a mini outburst and, you know, we, we, we were both connected to the space beyond that, but it was almost like I needed to have that outburst and I needed that outburst to be held by someone who was going to just allow a space for that to be there. Mm -hmm. And often, you know, 
as as kids we didn't have that i didn't have that i know you didn't have that we didn't have a parent who allowed that outburst in your case you know you were immediately pressurized into containing your experience go being stoic and being the perfect child who you know isn't well isn't seen or heard but you know in my case i was shut down with with violence you know with uh, with physical violence emotional violence and so neither of us actually ever felt like we had the space to act out right and so the fact that you were able to hold that space where i could be in my unconscious but what that unconscious act was met with was very different than what it was met with when i was a kid and because it was met with a compassionate open loving space where you said hey uh what do you need right now would you like me to come close and give you a hug or do you want me to stay you know far away and you kept asking me questions you kept soothing me you kept um you know sending love and being very attentive and what happened in that space was that my unconsciousness was met by your consciousness and it offered a different ending to a loop that was very familiar for me in in my childhood that was you know well worn where any of that emotional instability coming out would be met by force right and so by writing a different ending to the story what you allow and maybe this happens once more twice more but over time that response dies down because it's on meeting that same oppositional force that it met with when i was a child and this is where this is what i i i want to give you guys a real example of what growth looks like and this guys we're we're talking about something that happened like literally a few minutes ago right so we're not perfect a, a relationship like this is never perfect it perfection is not the point actually ne- neither are the two people in the relationship the point is that we show up for ourselves and for each other and when we show up from this place of being conscious of being aware of being present of being loving of being accepting then we open up a space where something different can happen and when we keep doing this when we are committed and determined to do this in a relational space then both people grow both people transform lives change and that's really what this whole idea of a conscious partnership is all about it is not a fucking label it is not a badge of honor this is not another identity that i want you to take on this is work but in that work there is a reward in there that is so priceless that i can't even begin to tell you how incredible it feels and so on the flip side what we have is this beautiful place of intimacy because even as i'm i'm sharing this i can feel your heart opening because you feel validated appreciated seen in how deep you must have had to dig inside yourself to hold your experience to hold your triggers your reactions and be able to be there for me when i needed you to be and so i just want you to know how much i love you how much i appreciate you and it means so much to me that you were able to show up for me in that way
Oh my God, I'm crying. <laughs> oh, it's such an honor and a pleasure, babe, to show up like that for you. And, you know, like we've talked about on past episodes, we I didn't come into the relationship being able to do that. I learned that here because we were willing to continue going into the arena to to learn and grow and expand in this way. I didn't come into the relationship knowing how to do this. So thank you for that reflection. My heart totally did open. And that's, you know, that's a, a big part of this way of relating is this kind of relationship and this kind of love inspires us. It this kind of love inspires Ani and it inspires me. And in turn, our love inspires others. So when we're talking about a, a conscious partnership, this isn't only a partnership for the sake of these two people. This The waves of this kind of partnership have an impact in the world and they impact other people positively. They show other people what is possible, what kind of hardships can be overcome, what kind of deep intimacy and love and connection can be created and what that love can be used for in the world. And that I think is one of the final keys to this is that we use this power that we have harnessed together to create change in the world. I think this is just, you know, my selfish projection, but I think every relationship should aspire to be a light in the world because the more we can cultivate this light of love for ourselves, for our partners, for our families, for our communities, that's what the world needs. That's the ultimate medicine, right? And it doesn't work when our homes, when our relationships, when our families are not in a harmonious state. When we don't know how to navigate these patterns, these conflicts, these reactions that bubble us within us, bubble up within us. And, you know, it, it, we weren't given a manual. There was no owner's manual. There was no handbook for relationships. And to be honest, I mean, there's billions of books written, maybe not billions, that's hyperbole, but there's at least like tens of thousands of great relationship um, specific books that are written. But a lot of this stuff, you know, the, the gap between the theory that you would get from a book and practice is really vast. It's too big because what happens in the body it overwhelms and it floods our logical mind. And, you know, a lot of this work is really about embodiment. It's about, can I allow there to be a space between me and my nervous system to develop a kind of intimacy in my body for me to get familiar with what's happening, right? Because even in this incident that we were just talking about right now, I was watching myself i was i was maintaining this metacognitive awareness i was watching myself having the outburst and allowing myself to have it and you know i was communicating with you here and there letting you know of the fact that i was aware that i was not full on in that state but it was important for me to allow that to happen and it was important for me to have you hold that space for me and then there's a big ego piece right to on a podcast, right, to share the impact that that had on me, rather than what my unconsciousness wants to do, which is just downplay your role, right, and minimize what you must have had to do and move on with it or stay mad at you. I mean, there's so many little dynamics. 
but the gold is absolutely priceless. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's that kind of segues us perfectly into this next point, which is, you know, I think a lot of people have the impression that these intentional relationships, and, and I want to just define the word conscious for a second, because it is just so overused. This is like an Instagram hashtag. Conscious partnership means we are coming to the relationship, committing to being aware and bringing awareness to ourselves, to the relational space. And we're continuing to cultivate a sharper, deeper, more vast sense of awareness in each and every moment. So this is not some like woke euphemism. This is like, we're becoming aware. We are waking up to the things that we've been asleep to. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. I, you know, the other thing that really strikes me is when I think about a conscious partnership, it's how do we treat this relational space in between? How do we treat this third entity that is a relationship between us? Do we cherish this third entity? Do we uh, nurture and water and feed this entity with like beautiful nutrients of love and appreciation and gratitude and care and consideration? Or do we treat it like a trash can? Do we treat it like um, oil companies treat the ocean? Right? Do we just dump our toxic waste in there, our, our, the baggage that we're bringing in? Do we pollute the, the, the waters and the, the forests, the soil of this relational space? Do we, do we um, show up with this self-centeredness and selfishness and just try to take, 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 take? Like, What is our posture? What is our stance? What is our relationship to this space in between us, right? Because when we, when we come at this from the same level of intentionality, awareness, consideration that say the food that we put into our own bodies, right? The soaps we use on our own bodies, the water we drink, you know, the things, the clothes we wear, can I give my relationship the same level of consideration? Can I prioritize my relationship's needs, what it really thrives on, the sunlight to its leaf, in the same way that I would value my, my own skin, my own body, my own health? And when we do that, then it's, you know, I, I really feel like this is one of those cases where one plus one equals more than two. Like one plus one becomes 11. Because in when we have a thriving relational space, when that space feels safe, when it feels clean, when it's blooming with the most beautiful flowers and there's bees pollinating and it's this magical little garden, the space between us, then what it lights up inside us, what it makes possible for us as individuals is absolutely incredible. And then what it makes possible for us as a, as a couple, as two people, to me, that's what a power couple is. That we're radiating this, this vibration, this frequency of love, of strength, of power. And when we can radiate that, when we can allow the world, which needs that, that's thirsty for this level of care and kindness, then the, we make a massive, massive, massive impact. 
And to me being, you know, a power couple is more than just putting on nice clothes and showing up to, you know, a gala and sipping on champagne and taking fancy pictures. More than just making a lot of money. It's more than just about making a lot of money and driving nice cars. Like this is really about what do we stand for? What do we want to contribute to the world? What do we want to contribute to our communities? What do we want to contribute you know, to a place where we don't walk with this much love and this much regard and this much openness and this much vulnerability and this much respect. And that begins at home. That begins in our relationships. That begins in our own hearts. You, my dear, are, are a poet, a scholar, and a lover. <laughs> Just put me, give me a mic and give me a person. But yeah. Give me a person because without a person that I, I just, there's nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and I'm right there with you, babe. And, you know, there is this beautiful poetry to everything you're saying. And the what precedes some of that is what a conscious partnership can bring to the surface, yeah. right? We are having this conversation because we've been through some things. We've seen some shit, right? We've had a lot of challenging moments and I, we are, as everyone who's listening knows that I'm very honest about those things. And so a part of what happens in these relationships is that when we find our match this is someone, like Ani said in the last episode, that will likely have complementary wounding, or we will find that we are in a trauma bond with them. And so it's like our, our traumatic pasts fit together like pieces of a puzzle. And all of a sudden, this person knows just how to push your buttons. Like they do the one thing that mom or dad did that just really sends you over the edge. And for them, you know what those buttons are too. And so an example from mine and Ani's relationship is when Ani used to give me feedback, I would perceive it as punishment because that is how my mom treated me. So I would perceive that, that he was punishing me and that immediately he was going to withdraw his love because in my nervous system, that's what I thought was happening. And so immediately if I'm being attacked or if I perceive I'm being attacked, of course, I'm going to defend myself. So instead of being empathetic, which is what Ani actually needed in a moment when he was giving me feedback about the way my behavior impacted him, I got defensive. So I perceived attack because thanks, mom, love you. And I defended and attacked. And so now he triggered my core wounding. And then when I wasn't empathetic back, I triggered his core wounding because he never got the empathy or the understanding or the compassion or the space that he needed growing up. So now we are like two armed, like ignited missiles, like coming right at each other and creating an explosion. And we knew just how to get in there and trigger those wounds. Although at certain points in the relationship, we didn't know that was happening until we stepped back and saw this pattern arise enough times where we said, okay, what the hell is going on here? So you may find that in these relationships that it's not always going to feel perfect or placid. In fact, you're going to trigger the parts within each other that still need love, that need the light of awareness, that need compassion and empathy and understanding. And the reason those parts are getting triggered is so that 
you can take a step back and say, what, what, what does this really need? What do I need? What do you need? So that there can be resolution because when you were younger, I'll speak for us, when we were younger, we didn't have resolution growing up. There was no solution for the abandonment that we felt, the emotional neglect that we felt. And now we're recreating the scenarios as adults so that we can provide a solution. And so the thing really quick, the thing to remember is that, you know, when you find yourself in a partnership and there's a lot of conflict, there's a lot of, you know, you have to create the discernment for yourself to know if this is an unhealthy um, dynamic, right? Or, and no one else can do this for you, or is this an opportunity to really gather your forces, you know, really bring all your awareness to the situation and rather than eject out of it, which is usually what we do when we end up in an uncomfortable situation, can you hang in there? And can you bring all of your conscious awareness to the situation, to your responses, to your reactions, to what's happening in your body, to the relational space, to the other person? And can you write a different ending? Can you create a resolution? So we, I mean, how many times do you think we almost broke up? Oh my gosh, so many. <laughs> right? If we had, if we had given up, because I, I remember you saying like, maybe a thousand times or 2000 times, this is so hard. I don't think it's supposed to be this hard, which is again, a belief, you know, people come to relationships with like, Oh, it's not supposed to be hard. If it's hard, it means that, you know, it's not meant to be, or something isn't right. No, if it's hard, it just means that there's something unconscious that's happening inside you and, or your partner that needs to be seen, that needs to be witnessed, that needs to be held space for. So The way to think about this is that we always have an opportunity. That opportunity is to resolve the patterns that are creating the difficulty. And if we can do that enough times and we get to the bottom of that, then often we find either that, hey, I've done my work with you and I want to keep going on this journey, keep going deeper, or, you know, I, we got this far and I feel complete and I wish you well. And, you know, let's, let's just part ways and go on our own journeys or that this doesn't, this is not a journey I want to go on right now, or I, this is not a journey I want to go on with you. (laughs) That's okay too. You don't have to take abuse. You don't have to take, you know, someone else's dysfunctional projection, but really what I'm saying is there's no way to know. Right. So this is a game of trial and error. And what it does require is a level of commitment, a level of dedication and a level of discernment. So you can, as you learn more about yourself, you're going to learn like, you know, what feels good, what doesn't, what feels uncomfortable, but you instinctively know that this is a place where you need to like actually dig deep and find a way to work through it. Because if you don't, you're just going to find yourself in the same situation with a different person. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's continue that because you started talking, Ani, about ways that we could go from our reaction to a response that feels more intentional. Yeah. Um, So there are some 
beautiful practices that we use. And uh, again, this is not exhaustive, but as a couple who has been through so many different iterations of our relationship and it, you know, we've had and worked through a lot of challenge and hardship, we've also been able to build a really deep toolbox of ways to learn how to observe what's happening for ourselves internally, to observe what's happening in the other, and to be able to work with that. So one of the things here, um, speaking of consciousness, is becoming aware of what your triggers are. And so when we say that, what are the things that are really just sending you over the edge? What are the things that cause you to have an outburst of anger or the things that cause you to withdraw and pull away? Um, And as you start to look retrospectively on perhaps past scenarios, start to ask what sensations you felt when that was happening for you. So I'll, I'll give you an example for me. Often when Ani used to give me feedback, I perceived it as punishment and immediately my chest would tighten. It would clench down, my shoulders would turn forward and I'd feel small. So my body was having a real physiological response to this because I was responding the way I would respond as a child. And so as I started to become aware of how my body was reacting, one, it gave me information about how I respond in these situations And also opened a space for me to ask myself, what do I need when that happens? And I had come to find that I really need space. Ani is someone who likes to work things out right in the moment. And I'm someone who needs to take five minutes to be back in my own energy, to give myself a little pep talk, to give myself soothing touch. And that works really well for me. Yeah. And so there's, you know, typically one person, we've seen this in with hundreds of couples. One person typically wants to move in and charge in because they have a discomfort with something being unresolved. I call this discomfort with an open loop. Um, This is something that I experienced a lot because with um, with my parents, an open loop, as in something happened, there was a rupture in the relational space um, and it was unresolved. I basically went into a state of hypervigilance because I didn't know when I would get attacked or shouted at or hit or something soon after. So there was a huge level of discomfort with there being this open loop. Now, um, for me, what, what happens is that I feel that discomfort with something being off, us not being in like perfect harmony. And then I'm, I want to charge in. I want to I fix it. I want, I want to make it better. Because what's actually happening is that I want to feel safe. But in my body, I can't feel safe if we're not totally clear. So I try to control the relational space to, cre- to engineer safety for myself. For Lee, on the other hand, it was too much. So she needed space. She needed to withdraw. Because as a child, you know, there was aggression from um, a parental figure. And that basically, it was too overwhelming for her. And so she basically went into a state of overwhelm. So in terms of the nervous system, we you may have heard of this. When we get activated, when we get triggered, we can go into fight, which is the first most available option, which is, you know, I'm going to fight back. 
this doesn't have to be physical. This is emotional, it's psychological. And the second state is flight. If I can't fight, if I can't fight back, if you're stronger, if you're not gonna, if I know that you're gonna beat me, whatever, then I go into flight. Basically, I'm not gonna win. And my body knows that instinctively, um, as you may imagine, if you run into a large wild animal, a predator in the wild, you're probably gonna run. You're not gonna try and fight a tiger. So the second option is to is to flee, right? Take flight. And this is the turning away. So you can imagine my response as almost like a fight response because I want to come in. Lee's reaction uh, is it would start at a flight response. And then if there was too much activation because the, the it felt like there was too much danger, too much risk, then the third state would be freeze. Freeze is what happens when we can't fight. We're not going to win. We can't run away or we tried and we got overpowered. At this point, the body wants to spare us of the pain of impending death. And so it releases um, opioids, very powerful uh, painkillers in the system, and we literally cease to feel anything. And so in that state, there's numbness, there's overwhelm, there's a blankness. It's really to spare us of the pain. But in that situation, what appears to the other person is that this person is just stoic. This person is blank. They have no reaction. And, you know, at times I would get angry because she would, she wasn't freeze, but she was not reacting. But to me, that seemed like heartless, cold, unempathetic, doesn't give a shit about me, which is my projection. But what's happening for her is that she's blank. She's numb. She doesn't feel anything. So we have to really, really, really understand and take into account the biological um, nervous system state that different people are in, in different situations and conflicts, and how this is different between people. So you may have a certain predisposition, the person you're with, or the, the person you end up with in a relationship next may be in a different place, and we can't expect the other person to operate like we do. Right, and this really um, understanding this really unlocks a lot of un, you know compassion, empathy, but also it gives us the tools to navigate these places without making it worse. Which is, I mean, let's face it, we've done plenty of that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for breaking that down, babe. That's really, really helpful. So, as you look back on your own experiences. What has been your response? This is a question to ask yourself. Do I typically fight? Do I flight? Do I freeze? Is it some combination of them? And what do I need in those moments? So now that I'm out of the situation, what do I think I would have needed when this thing happened? So in this observation, just observe yourself in the activated state. And before you even try to go in and change anything, just observe to see what's there without judgment. So perhaps there's another situation that arises and you just watch yourself. This is that metacognition that Ani was talking about where you are simultaneously in the experience and you're also seeing like, wow, okay, I'm throwing a temper tantrum right now, but you know what? I'm gonna keep doing it because it feels good, but I know that I'm doing it. And so you're just observing what is happening inside of your body physiologically with your emotions, if you have access to that, 
and any information you can gather without trying to change anything. And the reason I say without trying to change it, because it does seem desirable that we'd want to create change fast because we have the perception that how we're showing up isn't good enough or isn't acceptable. As in, it's not acceptable when I throw the temper tantrum, or it's not acceptable when I react to my partner. The reason I say to observe this for just a little bit without trying to change it is to create the environment within yourself that lets you know that you are okay to be as you are without trying to change yourself. This and is so, super important. This is so important. Yeah. Well, speak I'll, to that, babe. Yeah. So guys, this is, again, we're, we're covering territory where hopefully this is really expanding your range in terms of emotional intelligence. And really the, the, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to give you um, these nuggets to help you raise your level of awareness and consciousness in terms of yourself, in terms of your own emotional states. Now, part of the Jedi level work here is the ability to hold a paradox. And I teach this in terms of relationships. I teach this in terms of money, in terms of business. But in this context, a paradox is basically two opposing views on reality. So the one side of the paradox here is you're absolutely perfect. There's nothing wrong with you. How you're reacting right now, how you're showing up right now, what's happening uh, right now is totally okay. And the other is that there's actually a better way you could show up. There's a more constructive way you could show up. There's a more compassionate way you could show up. There are a few, there's, a th there's something you could do differently that would actually feel better for you, for the other person, for the situation. Now, life, your ability to have a really great experience of your life is directly correlated, in my opinion, to your ability to hold a paradox. So what Lee's talking about is that in that moment, when there's something arising in you, then you have to have both. You have to be able to A, hold the space for whatever is happening right now to be okay. Because at some point when that reaction first came up, it wasn't. Someone else made you feel like that was not okay. That's why that pattern got created in the first place. So you have to be the one to break that cycle. And you have to be the one who says that, no, th like for a second, even for a second, ideally for more than a few seconds, this is okay. Can I just let this be? Can I just allow this to be here? And this can be stuff like, do you always need to be right in an argument? Do you get triggered or get defensive? Or do you listen compassionately and validate other people's experiences as well as your own? Are you primarily concerned with yourself or do you also focus on other people and their needs? Do you, are you hell bent on keeping your perspective and like really grabbing it? Or do you feel open to seeing other people's perspective? or letting go of a perspective that you were holding on to? Do you place blame or avoid responsibility? Or do you take responsibility for your contribution? So all of these things, right? If you immediately reject it and make yourself wrong, you're not gonna be able to create any transformation and you're gonna keep repeating it, you're gonna keep looping it. You have to, have to, have to, and I can't stress this enough, you have to hold a space of non-judgmental compassionate awareness for yourself. That's one side of the paradox. The other side of the paradox is that you have to see beyond 
the shit that you've convinced yourself of, what you've decided the reality is about yourself, about the other person, about the relationship, blah, blah, blah. And you got to see beyond that. And you got to see it, like, what's a better feeling perspective? What's a better feeling thought? What's, um, what's a belief or a story or a narrative that actually creates more space for me in, in my body? What creates more freedom? What's kinder? What's more compassionate? Um, in what way can I be less judgmental of myself, of the other person? So when we open that space where something different is possible, something better is possible, then we actually create the beginnings of what we call in this work a, a, a new solution. A new solution is like a new ending to the story that you know we just kept looping around. And so when we do that enough times, it doesn't take that many times, I swear to you, it just takes a few times. But those few times, it's, it's challenging. And what's challenging is holding both perspectives. Can I be open, allowing, accepting compassion for myself? And can I see how else I could show up? What else I could do? What else is available here? When I can do both, then I can create transformation very, very, very painlessly, easily, effectively, permanently. And that's how I move beyond those patterns. If I don't, and I've been, I've been in this, you know, as much as anyone else, right? Then the pattern keeps repeating from relationship to relationship. And we keep, you know, we see women who end up dating the same kind of guy over and over again. We see men dating the same kind of woman over and over again. And this happens in homosexual relationships as well, in trans relationships as well, because, you know, all the orientation and, you know, politics aside, like we're all human and we all have a masculine pole, a feminine pole and our polarity, unless it's balanced, is going to come out in all sorts of ways. Yeah, that point about holding the paradox is so important. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Ani, because it is that it's the yes and the yes, I am perfect as I am and is there a way that I could show up with more compassion? And that's that's really the undercurrent of all of this is practicing this with compassion and gentleness. This is the opening our heart to ourselves and thus opening our heart to our partners. So there are some other practical ways that whether we're in the situation or out of the situation, tools that I have found to be very helpful are one, asking what is it I would have needed in that situation so that when that happens again, I can meet my own needs or I can make a request for my needs. Two, am I the kind of person who likes to take space or do I move in? And how can I be aware of what my what activates me? How can I be aware of what some of my patterns and tendencies are and how I like to resolve conflict? Um coming back to breath is always a powerful practice to presence us and get us back into our bodies. And for me in particular, using simple affirmations really work. So when I would take space from Ani, when we were in conflict, I would go into a room and I would practice soothing self-touch, which is another great tool. And this is just one that resonates for me. And I would let myself know you are safe. I love you. It's going to be okay. You're okay. And so simple phrases and 
this was a way for me to give myself what I would have needed as a young child that I didn't get from my mother. And so I am literally acting as a mother to myself in the moment. So I am living as the one that's here and now I'm living as the young child and I'm living as the mother all at the same time. And I'm letting myself know it's okay. I got you. You're safe. And that allows me to gather myself up and then go back into the situation and approach it from the foundation and knowing that I am safe, regardless of what Ani says, or regardless of how someone shows up, that I'm good. I've got my own back. And while that sounds like a simple concept, it's often very much glazed over and it is something that is so vital here. So the last part is, you know, outside of these situations, do a retrospective, go back and see how you showed up in a situation and start to to look at what was there and what you would have needed and what you would have done differently if you could do this again, what you think you did really well, what the other person might have done really well, so that you can get a full picture of what's happening and what you might need to shift for next time. And remember, guys, that you can use this in a dating context as well, right? If you don't have a committed partner, you know, and a lot of a lot of people here may not, and you might be single, you might be dating, a lot of these things, they show up even in text exchanges. When you're, you know, communicating with someone to set up a date and there's all these micro interactions that take place where all of these patterns show up, right? When something, a little bit of a, a rupture happens or an expectation isn't met or, you know, there's a miscommunication, what happens for you, right? Do you do you feel this discomfort that makes you want to just ghost this person or like not respond to them? That's the turning away. Does it make you want to like immediately give them a call that's charging in, right? Do you feel overwhelmed? Does it disrupt your entire day? Or do you compartmentalize it so hard that there's no space for your, the, the part of you that, that wants romance and connection to breathe? So you know, we're talking about a lot of this stuff through the lens of our relationship, of relationships, because whether you're single or you're in a relationship, the bottom line is that, you know, it's only in relational spaces that we can practice relational skills. And the catch 22 that, you know, this is the challenge that I see a lot of single people run into. And I ran into the same thing. And I think Lee, you did as well, which is when you're single, how do you practice and improve your relational skills when you're not in a relationship, right? That's why we're doing all of this because we're trying to give you the, the real-time relational insight and wisdom and context and awareness so that you can start observing these things now because I guarantee this is showing up in your relationship with your parents, with your friends, with your boss, with your employees. It's showing up in your relationship, in your community. You know, your abandonment pattern is gonna be projected on everyone else. Your, you know, fear of not being enough is gonna be projected on everyone else. Your fear of betrayal is gonna be, the fear of taking all of this stuff is global. And if you don't 
work through this stuff before you get into your next relationship, which, you know, if you're hoping that that's the one or it's this incredible journey of loving conscious partnership, then it's not going to be any different than your previous relationships. So we have to work through these things with people, but it doesn't always have to be with our next partner, right? We can work through these things beforehand and some of this stuff might still show up when we get into that partnership. And uh, is there anything you want to say in closing? Yeah, I, you know, if, if you've been listening to this, the previous episodes and you keep tuning into this and there's something in how we talk, what we talk about, how we express, how we relate to each other that you find interesting, that you find captivating, that you find like, hey, I, you know, one day I want to have a partner that I can have this kind of a relationship with. One day I want to have the kind of relationship where we can be this open and honest with each other, where we can be this authentic, where we can be this expressed, where we can be this challenged, where we can be called to step up this hard. If any part of our relationship feels like something that you want to put on your vision board in some way, in terms of what you want in the next relationship that you want to create, this is your opportunity to calibrate to the frequency of our, of our relationship, of our love. And I hope by now you, you get the sense that this is not like, this shit is not about perfection. I'm not perfect. Lee's not perfect. Our relationship isn't perfect, but what we do do really well is that we show up, we show up hard for ourselves and for each other. We get honest, we get real, we get vulnerable we look at you know opportunities for us to grow and we fucking grow and we evolve and we're in this game for life but we're not we're not um what's the word i'm looking for this is not a game of attachment and possession as in you know lee doesn't belong to me i don't belong to her we're both free sovereign individuals who are choosing to relate to each other in this way we're committed to continually revealing our best and highest self in this relationship. We're committed to serving each other, being devoted to each other, worshiping each other, and reflecting to the other person what they need to see about themselves and what they need to hear and what they need to know. And we're committed to using our relationship to light up the world in as many ways as we can. Get excited because when you when you allow yourself to be calibrated by the things around you, by the people around you, by the relationships around you. That's how you attract those things into your life because everything in your life is a tuning fork, right? So the question is, what are you calibrating to? Are you, and for most people, what you're calibrating to is your parents' relationship. And that's what you keep recreating. And if you keep calibrating to what you've been calibrating to your whole life, first, against your will pretty much. And then unconsciously, if you keep doing that, you're going to keep ending up with the same results, the same kind of patterns, the same kind of people. If you want something different, this is your chance to actually create that for yourself. What you put in is what you get. If you're serious about creating an incredible, mind-blowing conscious partnership, 
join us. Walk with us on this journey. Be with us as we share everything. We're literally not holding anything back. And you get front row seats to really understanding and experiencing and learning about what it takes to actually create this kind of relationship and, and, and keep it going and keep it thriving. Thank you for creating that invitation, babe. All right, beautiful people. That's it for us today. Much love and good vibes. Peace. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show and spread the love by sharing this episode out on social media and to all the powerful women in your life. And if you're ready to play full out and create heart-throbbing love, hop on over to my website to see all the juicy ways you can do just that, www.leenoto.com. Fellow wild woman, I appreciate you. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and all the good vibes.